I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. I'm Big Douglas. That's the rapper Big Pooh. And our special guest today is Logan Paulson. Logan, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Can't complain. <laughs> Logan, uh, I know that uh, since you have retired from the NFL, you've gotten into film breakdown. Are you doing mostly college stuff or pro stuff? What's what's the idea there? Yeah, so basically I got a little uh, radio gig doing pre- and post-game show for 106.7 The Fan, and I was watching a lot of film each week, kind of getting ready for, you know, whoever the Washington football team was playing. And uh, I thought, you know, it'd be cool to kind of get some of this stuff out there that I'm watching each week, find cool plays, just things that resonated with me, having played for a while in the NFL. And then if I saw something that I thought was really outstanding, I just put it on the Instagram and kind of do a little breakdown of it. And, you know, people have seem to be pretty receptive of it. So I'm, you know, now it's kind of a downtime, obviously for the NFL. So I'm doing a little bit, um, you know, kind of free agent breakdowns, doing some college football breakdowns and just kind of, uh, you know, during the the film evaluation process, like I, I started on tight ends a couple of days ago. So I'll probably throw some tight ends up on the Instagram here in a couple of days, but yeah, just kind of staying around the game, keeping it in my thoughts. Cause I spent so much time with it. You know what I mean? It's hard to, um, to kind of just step away completely. I was going to ask you, Logan, do you find yourself watching more tight end play than uh, any other position, being that you are a former tight end? That's a good question. I mean, it's actually been really nice, I'd say, you know, because I, I thought about getting into coaching when I retired. And it's been nice to kind of step back and look at the game without a position, you know, look at offenses, look at defenses, kind of see how the global structure of a team is put together. And that this has been a good, nice opportunity for that. So like the first position I looked at this offseason was based around the Washington football team's biggest defensive need and linebacker, you know? So I got to kind of see how the position has changed, you know, from when I was a rookie 10 years ago to now and kind of see how the, uh, you know, the skill set that's, that's required and all those different things. And, you know, looking at the whole offense as opposed to just the tight end has been, uh, has been really nice. Like what makes a good offensive lineman, what makes a good receiver, you know, what makes a good quarterback? I think all those things have been really nice, you know, to kind of look at in a different way. Logan, the other Logan that we have on the team right now had kind of a breakout year. I was wondering if you could tell us, I mean, what kind of conversion is that? I mean, I guess he was a tight end in high school and then switched because they asked him. They needed a quarterback. He was athletic enough. He's really only been playing the tight end spot again now, though, for a couple of years. What is that transition like? I think it's really challenging. I think, you know, everyone says, oh, it's, you know, football is football. And, you know, he does, he does have some experience at the position, but I think each position is so specialized at the NFL and even the college level that like to kind of divert and get a guy who plays two positions is just so rare and just speaks to their athleticism. So, you know, he made the, made the switch, I want to say three or four years ago. And obviously it's taken him three or four years to kind of become, um, you know, meaningful at the position or even a serviceable starter. And so I think that it just speaks to how tough the tra- the transition can be. He's a big guy. He's got great athleticism. But despite those kind of positives in the category of him making the transition easily, um, it took us some time because there's a whole bunch of technique uh, technique things that need to be addressed. There's a whole bunch of kind of just seeing the game with uh, from that that position you know like one of the things that I always tell people is like 
you know, when you play tight end, you have to kind of know what the whole defense is doing. But because of your stance, because of your position on the line, you can't see half the defense usually. So, like, even that, I'm sure, was a big adjustment for him. Kind of going from being a guy who can see the whole thing to kind of having to make assessments based on half of the half the defense. So, um, yeah, I think it's an extremely challenging uh, transition. I think it's awesome that he was able to do it. And I think it just speaks to his overall athleticism. So, Logan, a lot of outsiders uh, believe that tight end is a position that Washington needs to improve upon via free agency or the draft. I believe that they have in-house answers with Logan Thomas entering next season. And then uh, Marcus Ball, who's a young upcoming tight end and even Thaddeus Moss, who didn't really get to play last year because of injury. Um, What are your thoughts on Washington at the tight end position? Do you think they need to continue to add or, or they have good options in house? So I'm going to kind of take a step back from the position and just kind of look at like um, what I think every team in the NFL should be doing. And it's, they should be looking to improve at every position, right? I think the teams that really, really struggle in off seasons and um, you know, to kind of build dynasties and make something really great is teams that say, okay, we're good here, right? They don't evaluate the position critically. They don't say we can upgrade here. Cause as much as those guys, those latter guys, Baugh, Moss, they probably could play like how, how much better would you feel if they decided, um, you know, Hunter Henry, for example, like, you know, Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry is not a world beater necessarily, but he gives you an advantage over those guys. He's played a ton. He's a little bit better athlete. Like he's got the experience. He's got some pedigree. Right. And to kind of compliment Logan Thomas, and then immediately that not only does the position get better, but the offense gets better. Right. So I think it's it's really hard, you know, as a former player for me to say that, because I know how hard it is to be that guy who's like the guy, the next man up. And then they bring someone in to replace you kind of thing. But I think it's as a fan and as a front office person, like you need to be thinking, can we get better here? Because if you can, if the answer is yes, and it should be at almost every position, I can't even think maybe defensive line for the Washington football team would be the only spot. And even there, if there was an elite pass rusher when they were picking at 18, I'd say, or 19, I'd say, go for it. You know what I mean? Just because you're making the roster better, you're making the team more talented, you're increasing the competition. That's something that needs to be done. Now, that being said, I think Logan Thomas had a great year. I think he's a very good starter. I think he's going to keep growing at the position, which is really exciting for a guy of his age to kind of have so much runway left. And I think, um, you know, if he gets some, if, if the team gets more consistent quarterback play, I think he's just going to be really productive. But I do think you could get a nice number two or a complimentary piece there for him and really kind of not only enhance the room, but enhance the offense. When we're talking about learning how to play that position, what is more difficult, learning how to block properly the technique or their route running? Because I'm not sure everybody realized how nuanced the route running is. Yeah, so that's a really good question. I think if you look kind of um, take a step back again, look at offensive linemen as compared to wide receivers, traditionally offensive linemen have a much harder time transitioning to the NFL because the techniques and the demands of the positions are so, so, so competitive. If you look at any level, like high school to college, toughest transition offensive lineman, right? Because with a receiver, like a fast guy and a, and a very nuanced technical route runner, like those skills elevate and translate really well, regardless of other kind of like think about basketball players. Like you can go from high school to the NBA in basketball, right? But in, uh, with football, you can't do that. And I think a little bit of it's the physical demand of the game. And you see that most acutely on the offensive line and defensive line. So I think, you know, everyone says the route running is a big deal. And a little bit of that's just kind of genetic makeup and how you see the game. But in terms of technical mastery, I mean, it has to be the run game. And that's why you see so many tight ends specifically who have such a hard time 
with the transition in that avenue of the game specifically, because the way the, the best analogy I could make is it's like learning a martial art, right? You have to learn how to place your hands, learn your hat position, learn your foot position, all of these different things, body, general body position. Now, are there elements of that in the past game? Yes. But does it seem to come more naturally to people? And is there kind of um, is it a little bit more reliant on just general athleticism? I would also say yes. Logan, I want to ask you, you mentioned this position earlier, but linebacker in yeah. Washington is definitely a needed position. Um, yeah. What free agents do you see them possibly taking the stab at um, this this upcoming uh, offseason? Well, the two best guys, in my opinion, at the position, I don't think are going to get out of their respective teams. I think um, Levante David down in Tampa Bay, you know, I talked about him a little bit on my Instagram. And, I, and the, the kid up in Buffalo, his name escapes me at the moment, but he just signed an extension for a lot of money. And I think the problem you're going to run into is that what the, the two things that make those guys elite in the modern NFL is their ability to cover, right? And as you get down that free agent list, you get guys who are very physical, you get guys who are good tacklers, you get guys who are fast, but they get worse in coverage as you go down the list. So um, to me, I would say one of the things to consider is you're drafting at 19. And I think that kid from Notre Dame, uh, Jeremiah, I'm going to call him okay because I can't pronounce his last name, <laughs> is uh, is a pretty dynamic coverage player. And I think he'd be a nice fit at linebacker. I think you could then uh, bump number 55. I forget his name now too. Jeez. Um, inside and the whole position becomes way more athletic. Holcomb. You bump him inside, he becomes way more athletic, and you can cover now. You match up much better in, in, in today's modern iteration of the NFL where everyone wants to throw the ball all over the yard and go crazy with it. And not to say that he can't play the run, this kid, Jeremiah. I think he can. I think it would just be a nice addition, make you faster, make you a better coverage unit, and he's a great blitzer. So um, that's the way I would go because the thing about drafting a kid is you get to keep them at kind of a number – that is financially sustainable for five years for the team, right? As opposed to a free agent, you know, where this, this guy in Buffalo just got paid, um, I think it was three years for four, four, 44 million for three years or something like that, which is astronomical for a linebacker. And I know the Washington football team has some uh, equity to kind of throw around with regards to the salary cap, but you got to be thinking they got to sign a quarterback here. They're going to need to sign a number two wide receiver. We talked about possibly upgrading then they got to sign a left tackle. Like all of those variables have to be kind of taken into, into consideration when looking at this roster. And I would say the best way to upgrade the linebacker position isn't necessarily through free agency, but rather the draft. Uh, it is my understanding that you were an incredible film watcher when playing. <laughs> How many how many hours a day when you're on the team are you sitting in those rooms breaking down film? And if you weren't in the room the longest, I'm curious who was. So yeah, I was one of my big things is I was not a great athlete. I was a guy who kind of uh, I don't want to say luck, but like worked my way into a position in the NFL and was able to kind of hold on to it with both hands. So I'd get there in the morning and probably. 5.36 o'clock and I'd leave at seven o'clock in the evening. And that's like, you know, you're doing workouts, you're doing body maintenance, you're doing film prep. And so I'd say in the week, you're probably doing anywhere from 15 to 25 hours of film study. And then that's not including like memorizing the game plan for the week and the game specific adjustments that you need because the playbook, you know, it changes every week to kind of accommodate the opponent. So it's a, it's a ton of time. Like everyone, like I remember when I was living, uh, uh, in my my apartment, I came home at seven o'clock, and the guy, my neighbor, was like, "Where the hell you been all day?" And I was like, well, "I was at work." And he goes, well, "I thought you guys just had practice and came home." And I think that's the biggest misconception about the NFL is the amount of time that you're spending on task. Like, 
you know, my wife wouldn't see me really. Like I'd get, I'd like I'd leave before she was awake. I'd come home, we'd have dinner and then she'd go to bed and I'd have to stay up and study. Like it's, it takes a lot, you know, to be, to be uh, like, I'll say this, the best guys that I played with were the most studious and the most fastidious in terms of preparation. You know, even guys like Julio Jones, like he knew every adjustment and every route combination that he had to know, right? Like they just are very, very smart football people. Those really, really elite players. You can't just get by on talent alone. Was McVay the tight end coach when, when you were in Washington? Yes, he was. He was a uh, tight end coach for my last three years here. Yeah. Nice. Um, have you ever thought about taking – I know you've taken your film study on to breaking down film for uh, for different shows, but have you ever thought about getting to, getting into scouting? Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that I really was looking into. It was coaching in, like, maybe a front office-type role. And um, I, think, I think the thing people don't understand when talking about those two positions with an NFL team is the amount of time you're putting in. Like, you know, I just said I would get to work at six – and um, I left at seven, right? The coaches would get there, like Mike Shanahan, for example, would get there at 4.30 in the morning and leave at 10.30 at night. Um, and he's the head football coach, you know what I mean? Like of all the people that could leave early if they wanted to, he's the guy that would. So that that is kind of the hours they're putting in because each week you're getting evaluated. Each week you have this massive test coming up and each week you want to make sure you're maximally prepared. And so those guys spend a lot of time. And then they do get a nice off season, but they're, they're preparing. It's a year round kind of job. And then it's the same thing with the front office positions, right? Like they, cause you're, you're looking for that diamond in the, in the rough. You're looking for that guy that you can get in the fifth or sixth, seventh round. It's going to change your franchise. So I think um, those guys spend a lot of time too. They're on the road a ton. They're going to different schools they're meeting different kids. And it's just, it can be a lot. And um, that's the one thing that's kind of made me step back because I don't know if you guys know this about me, but my last four years I played with, Chicago, San Francisco, Atlanta, and Houston. And I lived in a different state than my family. I was living like in Chicago, in San Francisco, in Atlanta, and in Houston. And my family stayed here in Virginia because I didn't know if I was going to make the team. And I didn't have any kind of reassurance that I was going to be part of the organization long-term moving forward. So um, I kind of lived this life away from my family for a long period of time. And now I kind of feel like I need to, you know, make up for borrowed time, so to speak. You're a West Coast guy. Have you gotten used to those D.C. winters yet? <laughs> yeah, it's still coming along. Uh, my parents are from Boston. Um, um, you know, so we – not that we lived there for any extended period of time, but, like, we'd go back and see family. So we were exposed to, you know, the cold winters for a while. But um, the thing that gets me about Virginia, to be totally honest, is the humidity. I still haven't quite gotten <laughs> used to that. So. <laughs> Definitely. I'll never forget. I had a, a college roommate from California, and that's they always say the same thing when it comes to California. Is like, what is this stickiness on my yes. body right yeah. now? Yeah, like, <laughs> you, you get out of the shower, you walk outside, you're sweating, and I'm like, I just walked outside. I should be nice and nice and dry, but no. <laughs> uh, as a former Washington football player, looking at this current regime with Ron Rivera and the way he's run things, do you see? You know, I don't know how much you've been able to be around the team, but do you see a big difference, like a change in atmosphere with this team? Well, I think, I mean, even when, so I, you know, one of the things about working for 1067, and you get to talk to people who are around the team a lot and they seem to feel some type of change. But I think if you just look at the play on the field, I think it supports that as well, right? I think if you look at kind of how the second half of that season went and how competitive that team is 
in all situations. Like, I mean, it'd be so easy for them to kind of throw in the towel in some of those games, you know, where they were playing Pittsburgh, like they should, Pittsburgh should have walked all over him. But for Ron Rivera and that coaching staff, Jack Del Rio, Scott Turner, to motivate that group to such a high level that they felt that they could win and be productive in those situations, I think speaks to kind of the culture that he's instilling here. And you see it with the young guys that he's drafted, you know, obviously Chase Young, but obviously Cameron Curl too, and Antonio Gibson, those guys who are maybe not this, you know, worth the second pick overall, but those guys have blossomed and developed in a really nice way. And I think the fact that they're developing those young guys and have found guys that they can develop in their system is also really exciting. Uh, Logan, I personally am a big fan of what Scott Turner was trying to accomplish on offense last year. It feels like fans were not a big fan of what Turner was trying to do. As we've talked to more and more guys that do this for a living, they, they seem to be on board with Scott. I'm curious your thoughts about the first, the first year under Turner there. Yeah, so I think Scott Turner, like with any any of these questions, is like requires a level of nuance, right? So Scott Turner, um, I think in the beginning was doing stuff that was very simplistic. And I think that is probably, I'm totally taking a stab in the dark here, related to the quarterback position, right? I think they had a guy in Haskins that they didn't really fully trust, you know, and he didn't allow them to execute the offense at the way the way they wanted to be executed. And then you saw a transition in Scott Turner when Alex Smith and Kyle Allen kind of took over, like the offense kind of opened up a little bit, a little bit more diverse play calling, a little bit more complex formations, kind of became an NFL offense, you know, which made me say, you know, he does know what he's doing. He understands how to win offensively in this league. And I think he just felt a little, he didn't trust, he didn't trust the quarterback. And now I don't know if that's Haskins fault. I don't know if that's Scott Turner's fault, but you know, as, as he got more comfortable with that group and those guys started playing better, um, the offense picked up and looked good. And I'm excited to see how, what they do moving forward, especially if they can get some type of, um, I don't think they'll get a long-term quarterback solution this off season, but I'm definitely, once that does happen, I'm excited to see what happens. Logan, I was going to ask you about the quarterback position. Um, nobody here knows, but right. if you had your guess, who do you think, um, who do you see them uh, actually being able to bring into the building uh, this offseason? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think one of the things with a quarterback is, you know, there's a, if you don't have one, you want one, and you desperately want one, and you need one in, off, in most circumstances. So looking at uh, what's available, I don't know if there's a great answer financially for the team this offseason or, or from a play standpoint. I think all these kind of big big players, everyone talks about Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, those are going to require way too much draft capital to get them here. And I think that's something that people really undervalue is draft capital because, you know, like if you think about giving up three first, that's imagine getting rid of that whole offensive or whole defensive line, whole defensive front, right? It just doesn't make sense. You bring in this great player, you have to build around him. You have to make a strong roster for him. So finding a way to get that done, I think it's going to be really challenging. I honestly believe that like because of Ron's great success this first year, he's bought himself more on the tail end. So I think they could honestly get away with kind of a bridge quarterback this year, like um, Brissett, you know, somebody who's like a very, very kind of like a journeyman or Ryan Fitzpatrick, someone to get them to their young quarterback. You know, if they can't get one in this year's draft, which it looks like they probably won't be able to, because I would not advocate trading up for any of them. And that's not a knock on these quarterbacks. It's just like those those picks are so valuable, you know what I mean? And you got to make sure you capitalize on those opportunities. Um, but yeah, like I, I can see bringing in a solid bridge guy here that kind of gets you 
some wins. I mean, if you look at the division, I don't think there's anything to be really scared about. I mean, there's Dak Prescott in Dallas, but in some ways, I think that deal that he just signed is going to be really good for the Washington football team long-term. You look at Daniel Jones up in uh, uh, New York. He doesn't really scare you. Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, like nobody there in the division has a, has a true starting quarterback outside of Dak. And I think, as I just said, like that's going to be something that you that's going to hurt that team long-term. So they can get by this year and have a really successful season with kind of a middle of the road player. And they don't need to kind of go mortgage the farm to get somebody in here right now. They can build another year, make the roster a little bit more flushed out and then, then make that big dramatic move next year or the year after, depending on how they feel about it. In the NFL, they're always talking about business decisions and maybe I'm a, a wacko, but I'm always curious if you had an injury where, you know, you're like, oh, geez, but, you know, you're a fringe guy, so you're trying to play through things. I uh, wonder if you remember one of those. Yeah, I mean, I've had a whole bunch of kind of uh, decisions related to injuries, honestly, in my career. So 2015, I tore my plantar plate in my toe, which is basically like your turf toe ligament. And so basically I didn't have one, it completely tore. And so that same off season, Niles Paul got hurt and they didn't really have a starting tight end. And I remember having a conversation with myself, like, oh, well, I could be the starting guy this year because everyone else is injured. And the team would probably appreciate that. And um, the trainer said to me, he's like, don't do it. If you play, they can cut you even when you're hurt and then you can't get signed to another team. So he actually recommended that I got surgery and then Fast forward a couple of years, I tore my MCL, grade two tear. And like, if you can play with a torn MCL. It's a ligament in your knee on the inside of your knee. And um, and I kind of made a decision I was going to play. And I didn't play as well as I could have the past probably four or five games of the season because my knee was like, it felt like it was flapping in the wind when I'd run or plant to block somebody. And so then that next off season, the team came back to me and said, you didn't play very well the last half of the season. And I said, well, I did that because you guys asked me to do it. And they said, well, you know, like you just look like you're getting old and you can't do it anymore. And I was pretty livid about that because basically they, they signed me back to like a league minimum deal, which is fine. But then they ended up cutting me and I had to like move again to Houston and the whole thing. And I kind of wish I like looking back on that one, I wish I would have kind of played it a little bit more conservative, maybe waited a week or two see how I how the injury came along and um you know but you can't uh, cry over spilt milk as they say so that that real quick I'm sorry that side end room was you Cooley Fred Davis is that right was Fred part of that tight end yeah room? Fred Davis so when I first that got had here, yeah. been a while had been a wild room with Cooley and Fred Davis and now yeah it's it was it was great I mean Cooley um is quite the character everyone knows and um, Fred was maybe one of the most athletic kind of athletically gifted dudes I had the opportunity to play with just a big, strong, fast human, um, who, uh, you know, liked to party a lot. And so all those, both those guys were really, uh, fun people to hang out with and, um, you know, I learned a lot from both of them. So, yeah. <clears throat> Logan free agency is here. Let the people know where they can find you for your, your film breakdown and, and your commentary. Oh yeah. So, uh, my Instagram is, um, what is my Instagram? Paulson underscore Logan underscore Paulson 82. That's an Instagram. So that's where I kind of do most of my content. I do spots on one Oh six, seven, the fan. And I also do spots with lovely podcasts like you guys, you know what I mean? Where I kind of just keeping the brand out there and then doing some work. So you guys did a good job with this. I appreciate it. And I got a quick question for you. Sure. Why are you big poo? 
<laughs> I'm Big Pooh. Uh, a college roommate of mine, uh, Rashawn Rucker, uh, he used to be the photo editor at the Detroit Free Press. He said I looked like Winnie the Pooh <laughs> So <laughs> when I first got to school. So Pooh Bear became Pooh, which yeah. became Big Pooh when I went into the music industry. So nice, awesome. Yeah, that's that was the evolution of Big Pooh. Very cool. Yeah. Logan, we thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate it. We definitely will be looking forward to your breakdown, this upcoming free agency in the draft, and much success to you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, had a great time. All right. Thanks, have a good one. Yep, take it easy.